Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm sure you remember where we left off, um, which was um, we looked at the contents of the Ark of the Covenant. The contents of the Ark of the Covenant, the golden pot, the hard manna, the tables of the covenant, and uh, Aaron's rod that bordered. So we look into these items in a bit more detail. And what we're going to be doing is to study what they are and derive spiritual lessons from their types and shadows. Amen. So let's turn quickly to Exodus chapter 16. That's where we're going to start our journey about the manna. Exodus chapter 16. We'll read from uh, verse 9. Exodus 16 verse 9. Alright. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoar frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not, wist not means they knew not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. So we see here that the children of Israel were complaining that they were hungry and they needed to eat and they were even beginning to get irritant. And the Lord responded by supernaturally raining bread onto the ground. Hallelujah. And when they saw it, now remember something, the Lord had already said to them that he was going to give them bread in the evening. But when it eventually came, they said, this is manna. Manna means, what is this? Because they were told that they were going to get bread. Then something came and they didn't recognize it. So they just said, what is this? So manna means, what is this? What is this meant that they did not recognize what came as what they were expecting? So when you see something and just say manna, it means, what is it? I don't know what it is. So that was the question they asked when they saw that bread that came from heaven. And Moses said that the Lord has given you bread. So we see here that Moses was saying that it was a provision of God. God provided it directly. Hallelujah. And then we're going to read on to see how this uh, manna was to be treated. And how they were to relate with it. And we'll draw our spiritual lessons from this. Verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating. So this was an individual process. Every man. So it means I gather mine, you gather yours. I don't gather for you, you don't gather for me. Okay? And he says, An omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so. Then watch something here. And gathered some more and some less. So it means that if there are 16 people in my house, I go out and gather 16 for the number of people in my house. So what happened here was that, you know, just normal 
as we are seated here now, if someone comes in with a truck and leaves a heap of loaves at the car park, and they now say to us, go out there and just take one loaf each. Now there's something inside us that will see that old heap and just think, boy, this is a wolf. Not just one. One, two, three, four. And what's that thing called? Greed. The instruction was gather one for each person in your house. But the Bible says that some gathered more and some gathered less. And let's see what happened to them. And when they did meet it with an omer, that they had to process it, he that gathered much had nothing over. So you see that the effort you put into getting a lot more than what God said you should take came to nothing. It didn't make you end up with more food at the end of the day. And then he goes on to say, Another thing that is again mysterious And that he that gathered much had nothing over And he that gathered little had no lack Remember I said earlier that God said he gave them manna to do what? To prove them in the wilderness and to show them That man shall not live by bread alone But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God One thing that God will test in your life, or more like one thing that God will attack, I'll call it attack, not test, in your life, is the spirit of greed. Hallelujah. He gave the instruction. One, one per person. And the Bible says that the people that gathered much had nothing left over. And the people that gathered little had enough to eat. For you to walk with God and walk successfully with God, greed must be taken care of in your life. If you are a person that is greedy, you will need to go through the school of God. And that greed needs to be taken away. You see, it worked both ways. The person that thought he was smart, you know, it's, it's called being smart. In our days now, you know, you are smart. The person who thought he was smart, mm, just so that it amounted to nothing. And maybe the person who just gathered less than what was required for whatever reason, it could even be that somebody even conned him out of what he got and he said okay ah, I didn't gather enough can you give me one I gave him but still got home and discovered that he had enough that's why in my transactions with people when there when there is when the line is thin and is faint you know what I say I would just rather I would just rather hand you over I hand you over what is outstanding and say that I would rather concede it than hold on to it hallelujah and since I've been working that policy I've never failed I've never ended up short hallelujah you hear stories of People they say ah okay let, let's say you're at work for instance okay let's go for let's go out for lunch so maybe the first time you went out for lunch the other man you're both watching yourselves who's going to pay this time <laughs> the first time I go I stick out myself first I say I pay first why because I don't have a mentality. That by the time I get home, what I pinch from you, and what I pinch from you, and what I pinch from you, is what's going to make me prosper. And even if you have that mentality, you discover that at the end of the day, you look around and you still can't find the gain of what you have done. So greed will be tested. 
in your spiritual life when you are working with God. Hallelujah. Let's read on. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord has said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and sit, ye, sit that ye, ye will sit, and that which remaineth over, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink. Neither was there any warmth therein. Now, the rule again is that what you gather today, you cannot eat tomorrow. If you leave it till tomorrow, it stinks. And the rule again is that what you gather on Friday, you gather two days worth on Friday for you to eat on Friday and Saturday. So, what was established here was a daily routine of going out there to pick fresh manna from heaven and processing it on the same day. What it means is the manna really is a type of the word of God. Is a type of the ministration of the word of God that is coming to you on a daily basis. Jesus, when they said Jesus should teach us how to pray, he says, give us this day our daily bread. So bread is a type of the word of God. Bread is a type of you sitting before God and God teaching you on a daily basis from his word what exactly is going on. Every Christian needs to establish a relationship with the Word of God where you are able to pray and open your Bible every day and God says something to you from that Bible. God shows you something from that Bible. Many Christians, their spiritual lives have been a function of just what they hear in a church service. But you actually need a relationship where you actually open the Bible and God is able to minister food unto you, spiritual nourishment unto you from that scripture. Hallelujah. And it is only when you begin to do that that you will see your Christian life begin to have a lot of punch. Hallelujah. I'll read something again. Uh, I'll read another uh, part of the scripture again that refers to this manner. And you see, this is actually very important. This is the beginning of your Christian life. And that's why it was included in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, can you imagine that this food also that they were eating preserved them? When I say preserved them, except for the ones that disobeyed God. The other ones were kept in good health. I hope you know today now, really, come to think of it, they say that people are dying younger now of cancer and all that. It's essentially a function of what they are eating. What you eat either preserves you or kills you. Physically. And also spiritually, is the same thing. What you eat either kills you or preserves you. If what you eat is BBC news, is what you eat is ITV news, it will kill you ultimately. Simply because it is not adding to your spiritual life. The Bible says that to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The reason why the floods are coming over us today is because we are not spiritually minded. It's because we have not found ourselves in the ark of protection that God has provided. And that ark of protection is a function of what we believe about the word of God. You heard the testimony now. The man believed something and he brought out that belief when there was no chemist and there was no doctor. You understand? But it was out what he kept in his spirit that he brought out to use in that situation. If he did not have it in his spirit, if it was something else he had in his spirit, if it was general hospital he had in his spirit, then he has to play out general hospital. And how will you play out general hospital? By carrying, loading her on your shoulder and looking for a hospital. You understand? 
and that might not have worked on that particular occasion. You understand? So the manna represents your intake, your daily intake of the word of God. So as a Christian, you must establish a pattern of regular intake of the word of God into your systems. Hallelujah. Then I'll go to John chapter 6, where we're going to see something about the manna again. In fact, before we get to John chapter 6, let's try John chapter 1. Alright, John chapter 1 verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So, this statement is equating the Word and God. That the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, it means that if you see God, you must be seeing His Word. If you are seeing the Word of God, you are seeing God. So, God and His Word are the same. Then, let's go on. All things were made by him, that's by God, and without God was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And then he went on to say, There was a man sent from God, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Then let's go to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Did you see that? Jesus was in the world. The world was made by Jesus and the world did not know him. What the Bible is saying is that, that the, the world did not recognize him when he turned up. Same thing, when the man had turned up, we didn't recognize it. We're asking, what is this? So when Jesus also turned up, they didn't recognize him. The Jews said, who is this? We don't know you. Who are you? He said, I was sent from God. Huh? No, you are not sent from God. You are Mary's son, the capital son. Sent from where? He said, they did not recognize him. They didn't know him. That he was right there in their midst and they knew him not. Then let's go on. Then he says that he came unto his own and his own received him not because they did not recognize him they didn't know him so we see here that the word of god the, the word of god came into their midst and they did not recognize it same thing when you are carnally minded when the word comes you don't recognize it you don't want to have anything to do with it because you don't recognize it because you have not learned to accept it you have not learned to be spiritually minded when the manna came, they didn't recognize, ah, what exactly is this? Moses, what is this? And same thing too. The same Jews, when Jesus turned up, questioned Jesus. Said, we don't know him. We don't recognize him to be the Messiah. Hallelujah. And yet, he, indeed, he was the Messiah. So did you see that now? So you begin to see that even as we walk as natural people on the earth it's possible for us to see things that are spiritual and not recognize them to be such hallelujah that's why it's important for us to stay in the spirit it's important for us to have that close relationship with the word of god so that whatever the word of god says is what is final hallelujah let me just talk a little bit about um Let's say the area of finances, for instance. We all know what is going on around the world today. Right for over the last four years, the financial, you know, hula baloo and everything, it's affected companies, it's affected corporations, it's affected families, things have gone in different directions. But I hope you know one thing, that God has his own system of operating finances. 
He has his own system that is different from our own system. And what is his own system? His own system is whatever you have that is not in sufficient quantities, you plant it. And that system is identical to the farming system. When a farmer has seeds and those seeds cannot, are not enough to feed him, what does he do with those seeds? He plants them. It is only planting that brings multiplication. And that's the way God's financial system works. And God is not going to break that rule for anyone. So even when you go into the Old Testament and you see people in financial difficulty, there was that demand on them that they should plant in the midst of financial difficulty. Even the, the, the widow of Zarephath, there was a demand on her that she should plant when it was obvious that this was the last meal left and she was going to die. Do you understand? But God has his own way, his own system of doing things. And that system is not going to be compromised for anybody. Hallelujah. As, as much as anybody attacks that financial system, say, ah, no, they said they should, ah, they, they, said, they, said they should sow money, they should give money in church, they should do all that. People have attacked it so much. So much that even you as a Christian, you would you would have your your mindset has shifted so much that even when you see somebody mention it on TV, you just close the TV off. They are, there they come, they are thieves. You, you just close the TV off. And a few days I just had something refreshing on my heart. And what was it? I was watching Benny Hill and he said something. I, I just can't forget it. He said, look, that every time you put something in the offering, most times it's something that maybe is not really that significant, maybe like 10p or you know, a certain amount that you do regularly, that you do not attach your faith to it. So he now said that the reason why he makes those kind of calls that he makes is that the moment you respond to that kind of call at that level there is no way you will respond to it without sending your faith along with what you have done and he said it is that faith that registers with God and commands the harvest as soon as I heard it, I just said, bam, I got it. I said, the seeds I remember were the ones that hurt me. Do you understand? The seeds I remember were the ones that hurt me. What I mean by hurt me was that when I gave something and I knew that this thing went out of me, I didn't forget. The ones I forgot are the ones that your faith did not go with. Hallelujah. I'll just leave that with you as food for thought. So that's the manner, God's way of doing things, God's food, God's nourishment. They didn't see him. And today we need to establish that pattern that every part of our lives, what does the word of God say? What does the word say about it? And let us begin to receive nourishment. And you see, that nourishment is what the manna that is in the Ark of the Covenant is all about. As long as you are feeding on the manna, you cannot die in the wilderness of this world. You cannot die. It doesn't matter how many people die on the street. It doesn't matter. In fact, it was... As a result, as we was coming through the manner that we have the communion. So anytime I'm partaking of the communion, I am reflecting on the indestructible nature of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ could not be destroyed. So I will not be destroyed. I won't be destroyed. My body won't be destroyed. My, my career won't be destroyed. My business won't be destroyed. As I partake of that communion. Hallelujah. And when Jesus was going to switch the game, what did he say? He said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they did what? 
they died. He said, but I am the bread that was sent from heaven. And that whoever eats me and drinks my blood shall not die, but shall have eternal life. So it means that as you are taking in the word of God, death, destruction, decay is taken away from your systems. Your body will not fall apart like everybody else is on. I get to work and I see 30 year old people with back problems that 60 year old people are having. I said, no way. I said, no way. If you look at the way the world is going now, the trend is going lower. Oh, before then, you just think, oh yes, some 60-something year old man died of cancer. But now it's coming down. The, the threshold is coming down, down, down now. You are now hearing of 30-something year old with stroke. Do you understand? But as we feed on that manner, the word of God, it will strengthen us. It will preserve us. It will keep us. Hallelujah. So that's very important. Let's move on to the other things that were inside the Ark of the Covenant. The other element in the Ark of the Covenant was the tables. The tables of the Covenant. What are those tables? They are tables of stone, tablets. And those tablets, God told Moses, because of our time, take the, bring these tablets up to me. And what God did was to inscribe the command, his commandments on those tablets. And when those tablets, when those commandments were inscribed, those commandments were to be read by the children of Israel and to be obeyed. And those tablets really formed what we call the law. You know, the bedrock of what we know as the law under the old covenant. Now, under the old covenant, the law was given to expose sin. There was sin on the earth, but it wasn't exposed until the law was given. You know, just like if, if I just say drive along the road now, and there's no speed limit on the road, there is no way I can tell whether you're driving fast or you're driving slow. But if I put a speed limit of 30 miles an hour on the road, it means that I have established a law. And when you break that law, you are punished. Do you understand? Because, and the reason why we are putting that law outside is because we can really not trust you and we can't trust your discretion as to the fact that you will drive safely. So we have decided to put that law outside that 30 miles an hour is the limit. Break it, you are punished. So the law really is something to guide us. It's like the school teacher. The school teacher is guiding you. Teaching you to do things until you get to a point where you don't need that school teacher again. Hallelujah. And because we are now in the spirit and not in the flesh, we actually don't need the school teacher again. If you are still under the law, then it means that your Christianity has not yet started. And I'll tell you what it means to be under the law. Under the law means that your Christianity is a function of do's and don'ts. That they said, do this. Because they said, do this, that's why you are doing it. Not that you really want to do it. Just like if you tell Yami now, at, nine or at 7 o'clock go to bed. She doesn't want to go to bed at 7. You understand? But if she doesn't do it, there's a punishment for it. So she goes, not because she wants to do it, but because she is compelled to do it for the fear of the punishment. You understand? And that was how God brought up the Israelites in the Old Covenant. For the fear of punishment, he gave all kinds of laws to them. But at the end of the day, they never fulfilled those laws. Now, what did God say to Moses? about those tables eventually when they were going to set up the worship place he told them he told Moses to put to deposit those tablets into the ark of the covenant now remember that the ark was also a type of a place where you keep things away remember Joseph's coffin it was kept away in that coffin so when the tablets were put inside that ark it was a type of God 
putting the remembrance of our sins away. It was like he put it away. He wasn't going to deal with us on the basis of our transgressions. Because when he looks at those laws and he looks at us, he will see that we disobeyed those laws and we are due for punishment. But when those tablets were consigned into the Ark of the Covenant, it meant that he had taken our punishment away. In today's world, our covenant is not based on those physical tablets. Our covenant is based on the activity of the Holy Spirit, writing his laws upon the table of our hearts. Every time you are looking at the word of God, every time you are reading the word of God, every time you are confessing the word of God, what is happening is that the Holy Spirit is writing those words upon your mind. That's why the Bible says that, you know, that... Um, be not conformed, you know, with the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There was something else that was written on your mind before you got saved. Something else was written there. But when you come into Christianity, you are now being commanded to renew your mind. To change what is in your mind. To change the contents of the things that drive you. Let me give you one example about this... Um, you know, school teacher thing, the lobbying of school teacher. Remember the riots they had last year? The riots. You know, and remember the case of people, you know, people that got arrested. Now, if you look at the profiles of the people that got arrested, you begin to wonder what actually went wrong. Banker was arrested. You understand? People with 30,000 pound per annum jobs were arrested. And what were they arrested for? They went into the shop and stole water when people broke into the shop and they went to jail for it. Do you understand? So the question is this. If you have a 20 or 30,000 per annum job and you are walking past a place where they are breaking into a shop and everything was a wolf, what made you walk into that shop to steal a bottle of water that you could afford? It was simply because there was no such thing inscribed upon the tables of their heart. Let's take Christianity away out of the question. How many of you, when you were growing up, took stuff out of Mama's pot? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, so we all transgressed. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we also know what happened, what they did to us when they discovered. Hallelujah. Do you remember what they did to us? And as they were doing it, they were saying it, that thou shalt not steal. Fast forward 20 years later, they were breaking into these shops and everything was a wolf. And in fact, they have even destroyed the CCTV so nobody will see you. What decision would you have made? Based on what they forced into your mind when you were growing up. You remember that lesson when your, when your backside was thoroughly whipped. That na 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 na. My parents drove that demon out of me. There's no stealing here. You will just walk past. Even bigger things you won't touch. Do you understand? Now, do you know why you made that decision? It's because over the years, it was inscribed upon the table of your mind that you are not going to steal. They did not have those things inscribed by their parents. Because when they took the thing out of the pot, they obeyed Mr. Cameron and the social services. And say, you just smile at your child and try to reason. <laughs> so, you just, you know, just try to reason. And they continued and they continued until they became something bad. Even in the best workplaces, 40 year olds, they still steal. Do you understand? 
But what the school teacher does is that even when you don't want to comply and you see no reason to comply, you are compelled to comply. But a time gets but at that time when I was walking past the rioting places, my parents who would have whipped my bottoms were not there. But I made the decision based on what was inscribed upon my heart. So the law really is like training wheels. So it's like when you're riding a bicycle so that you don't fall down, you have training wheels. But at a time, you get so confident that you don't need those training wheels anymore. So I don't need my parents to you know, do this to me before I know that I shouldn't be going into that shop. Do you understand? And that's how the law works. So at this time of my life now, I don't need the pastor to knock my head. To say, have you paid tight this month? Have you sown into the work of God this month? Because the training wheels have been kicked off. It's my joy to sow into the things of God. So if they are still knocking you on the head, oh, oh, then that's the law. And of course we have the, we have the right to react and say we are not even doing and walk away. You understand? But the fact still remains that whatever you do voluntarily, without any compulsion, you are doing it by faith and you are not doing it under the law. And that is very powerful. And you see, the things of God, the reaction of God, the mindset of God, is what you have in those laws. So once you are taking in the word of God, on a daily basis is being inscribed upon your heart so that when you relate in life with people it is from that mindset that you are relating is the way God thinks about something that's the way you think about it and that's the tables of the covenant and those tables were inside the ark and it's very important as long as you are taking in the word of God on a daily basis, renewing your mind with it, then you are relating rightly with the tables of the covenant. God is inscribing his laws upon your heart. And as he is doing that, it means that every time you are confronted with a situation, you are thinking spiritually. You are not thinking carnally. You are, your thinking is based on what will God do in this situation, and that's exactly what you will do to get a breakthrough. Hallelujah. That's exactly what you will do to get a breakthrough. The tables of the covenant. And then let's go to the third one, which is Aaron's rod that bordered. I spoke a little bit about Aaron's rod in the previous session, which is that, is that part of your Christian life that makes you stand out? Is that part of your Christian life that causes you to be a victor, the head and not the tail, to be above only and never beneath? There is something that God has put on the inside of you that unveils itself in dominion and victory anywhere you find yourself. And it doesn't matter what color or race or height or stature that you are. We are talking about the spirit of God that is on the inside of you. And you see, if you are not totally convinced about what I'm saying, what I will advise you to do is to go and read up about the Jews or buy some materials about the Jews. And anything you read about the Jews, when you read it and open it, read it with the mindset that the Bible says that if the ministration of death was this glorious, how much more shall the ministration of life excel in glory? Do you understand? So if you see anything about the Jews that you really love, that is outstanding, the Bible is saying that it is inferior compared with what God has put on the inside of you. That's what the Bible is saying. Now, with that mindset, go and read up about the Jews. I love reading about them. I told you that in the last session, that they got to New York over a century ago, and there was a law that that said you can't have more than this number of Jews attending medical school or law school because that's what all of them wanted to do to take over New York now you go to New York if they are having a Jewish festival where Jews will not come to work traders will be missing lawyers will be missing doctors will be missing they are the ones controlling it 
In fact, they even told their little ones that they shouldn't do sports. That's why you don't find a lot of outstanding sportsmen in Israel. You know why they said that? They said, don't do sports, but control the companies that sponsor the sports. So they are working as directors. Because if you look at it, even if you are a Balotelli and they are paying you 200 grand a week, I said something to myself one day. As much as you admire Balotelli, it is somebody that is paying him that money. So he has a boss. Do you understand? I must have a million to pay you 200. So he is not the real deal. The real deal is the person paying him that money. Do you understand? The real deal is the person who has tons of that money to pay him because for you to hire somebody and pay him a thousand, you definitely have at least 40k swimming in your account. You understand? So they told themselves, go and take over the companies that control the industry. Leave the running around for the other people. So we watch all of you. We watch all of you run. They will come in their suits. You know, watch all of you. Yes, boys, you are doing well. <laughs> we give you a bonus if you beat the next match. If you win the next match, Hallelujah. But there is the seed of God on the inside of you. It was that seed that Haman's wife recognized when Haman made the first mistake, and. He returned to his family and said, see what happened. The first time he went to his family, everything was going good. They said, ah, let's, co let's construct a gallow that we use in killing Mordecai. Let's construct that gallow. Let's leave it there. Ah, we are, we are two, man. We have won the lottery. And the next time, Haman turned up and said, see what happened. That, in fact, every step I took like this, the king was just firing me. You know what Haman's wife said? said, wait, 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 wait. I hope that guy is not a Jew. I hope Mordecai is not a Jew. Because if Mordecai, that's his wife telling him, if Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom you have begun to fall, Know very well that it will fall finish. Hallelujah. And I hope you know that that same seed is the one that is on the inside of you. You are not destructible in the workplace. You are not destructible. Nobody can destroy you. Nobody can destroy you in your industry. Nobody can destroy you in your career. Because of Aaron's rod that bordered. All those activities are happening inside your life. Inside your heart. The tables of the covenant, the manna and Aaron's rod that bordered. There are powerful activities happening inside your life. Powered by the word of God. As you renew your mind with the word of God, as you are receiving nourishment from the word of God, and as you are standing in the authority that God has placed on the inside of you, you are indestructible. All these things are inside the ark. And this ark is what God has provided for you that will insulate you from the floods that are going on around the world today. I just want to leave you with this. The word of God has provided the ark the ark of the covenant and as often as i remember those three things inside the ark i remember the manner that look when i eat the communion when i receive the communion i'm partaking of the indestructible nature of jesus christ so it means that no matter what flood is blowing i am not going to go under I am not going to vanish. You see, when the flood started and Noah and his ark 
rose to the top of the water. Everybody else vanished under the water. Because you are in the ark of God, you will not vanish. They will look for you and they will find you. You know there are some places that you used to know back home, wherever you are from, and then you go this year and say, ah, that company that used to be there, what happened? Is it not there again? You say, ah, they went both three years ago. <laughs> they vanished. But you will see some other industries and say, ah, I was there when that thing started, though, when I was young. Look, they've bought three houses to this side and three houses to that side. They've knocked everything together. It did not vanish. You will not vanish in your industry. You will be preserved. God will keep you. The Bible says He is able to keep that which we commit into His hands. As you commit your life, your career, your business, your schooling, your education, your children into his hands, they will be preserved. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope you got something out of this. Hallelujah. So we have come to the close um, of our seminar today. And um, that was the Ark of the Covenant treating... um, the three things that were inside that ark the pot that had manna the tables of the covenant and Aaron's rod that bordered all these three things they are our inheritance in God and you see those three things before God told Moses to put them there they had powerful consequences on the earth the manna had a powerful consequence it nourished the people it nourished them it kept them it preserved them i hope you know that if you are eating the same food for so many years it will affect you adversely because you don't have balanced diet just one food you are eating it for 40 years they ate this one for 40 years they were still looking good the bible says not one among them was feeble do you understand so by that power God told Moses, now go and deposit a sample of that manna into the Ark of the Covenant. Then when he got to the tables, look at what happened with the tables. How can you carry stone somewhere? And then God now says he's writing something on it with his fingers. And it was the fire of God that wrote those commandments on it. It was powerful. Even when he took those commandments there, they could not look into his face. They had to cover the face of Moses because of the glory that was coming out. When you are taking in the word of God into your heart and you are allowing it to be written into your heart, the glory that will come out will be such that people will marvel when they say, who is this? We can't even look into his face. Hallelujah. It was so powerful. So God now said, okay, those tables, put them in the ark again. So that was the second thing. The third one, Aaron's rod that bordered. They were challenging Aaron's authority. Alright, you're challenging it. Throw your rod, throw your rod. Where have you ever seen an iron rod budding like a flower, like a tree, like a plant? Hallelujah. That was powerful. And God now said, Oh yeah, take that rod again, put it in the Ark of the Covenant. All those three things were memorials of God's power in our lives that will be revealed in the future as long as you know those three things and you know that they have been kept for you in the ark you don't have a problem bring on the flood bring on the situations you will survive the bible says that you will not feel the heat when it comes so the heat will come people will be scorched but you will not feel it You will see people drop as a result of it, but you will not feel it. They will come and tell you that we are chasing 10,000 people and for whatever reason, we will still find you sitting there. Hallelujah. People will come to ask you that, what part of this business are you doing? Because we've been doing this business and we just can't move. Everywhere we go, the door is closed. Why? Because the tables of the covenant are in your heart. 
Your belief system is intact. God is nourishing you with directions. Showing you steps that you should take. The last thing. Here I just remember something I should leave with you. About the ark. God told Noah. Build an ark. Against something that was coming. I also want to tell you that as believers. God may say something to you. That is not familiar with your current setup. And ask you to do it in preparation for something that you don't know about yet. Do you understand? I'll give you an example. Some years back, I had a mix of skills that I was working with. And God just highlighted this particular one that you don't use. Make sure you go and write the exams for it. But I didn't need it. I didn't need those skills. And I went to write the exams. In fact, it was against inertia that I wrote those exams. Because I didn't need those exams. And this was in 2006. Nobody knew what was coming in 2008. When 2008 came and the, the flood came, it was a roller coaster. But when I was going to get another contract, it was a mixture of that skill that I thought I didn't need, plus what I already had that preserved me to the point where my income all through that period did not drop now if your income dropped you should even thank god that you have somewhere to go so if i just me having somewhere to go was enough thanksgiving that it was enough for me to be dancing every day again that you have somewhere to go because if you don't have somewhere to go that's a different kettle of fish so if you have somewhere to go you should be rolling and dancing but to think that you even had somewhere to go and they did not drop on your income and then you could still move up as though nothing was happening elsewhere I could never have seen that coming it was God God will tell you what business to start focusing on before everybody gets there God will tell you if we are into something dangerous, He will show you something else that you should plant your feet into before the ground you are standing on begins to sink. Do you understand? So I also want to highlight that to you. I'm sure it's a word for someone here that God is going to show you something that you are not familiar with, that is not part of your current makeup, and is be using that as an escape for something that you cannot yet see today hallelujah amen so i hope you got something out of that and um we'll close the service here uh we'll just uh and um i think that should just be it amen so thanks a lot for coming and um i really appreciate your being with us today for our seminar titled the ark of the covenant amen